0: Welcome back, Poison Pals, to another episode with your host, Harini Bot, and your other host, Megan Gesner. Yeah, I was just telling Megan before we got on the pod that I had a dentist appointment after an embarrassingly long amount of time, uh, just trying to get all my adult things checked off my list uh, Mm -hmm. before I move, but man, I, guys, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say it. I had a cavity. Kind of you know, sometimes embarrassing to share, but you know, I had
1: one. (laughs) Okay, cavities happen. I know that people could have the healthiest, quote unquote like healthiest Mm. dental hygiene practices and they'll go in and they'll still have cavities. And I've Mm -hmm. I knew a coworker from my previous job who like the whole office was in uproar because he was kinda like us, where he didn't have a dentist appointment for (laughs) many years yeah 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 and he came back and he's like i have no cavities like ooh, it's ooh. to me i'm like it's a toss-up obviously you can do the most that you can to do preventative practices or whatever mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you never know what's in the cards so you no shame don't. in the game
0: it was like it's like russian roulette to be honest when yeah you go to the dentist like you just don't know right. what you're gonna get that day but yeah. it was funny because she was like well long story short I don't want to be that person but she told me it wasn't my fault that I had the cavity. I had, right there's right. some weird weird story how like the gum had overgrown the back of my tooth from a wisdom tooth extraction anyways I was living my life la-di-da did not know that I had this massive massive cavity that was just hanging there for years but uh you know what we we got it done we got it done and so yeah. I was telling Megan like I'm still kind of I can't really open my mouth all the way so if I talk funny that's why (laughs) yeah for sure
1: also um we had originally planned to record this episode yesterday and we were both just so fatigued from our own weird ailments of the day and so part of me honestly no today was a better day but like Mm. if we just sound a little bit tired yeah you know, that's what we're coming out of. So, yeah, 100%. it's just like a uh, you know low energy. But hopefully, the story yeah. will be stimulating enough. We might speak low energy.
0: Don't fall asleep at the wheel. No, no, no. don't fall asleep. <laughs> There you go. Does that there wake you, you up <laughs> I knew I knew Megan was gonna do something like that <laughs> uh, I was preparing I myself ya. as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was like she's about to yell into the mic right now I uh, no I was gonna say I was like there's so many retrogrades you're into that kind of shit there's so many retrogrades mm. happening it's a full mm. moon tonight so y'all oh, just tuck yourself into bed tonight you know next time if I'm still here in San Diego we should do a full mm-hmm. moon hike Megan oh one hundo that'd be so I missed that shit yeah, yeah, It's yeah, the best
1: yeah. under the full moon. Mm-hmm. Don't bring no headlamps for me. I know that might be <laughs> controversial, but seriously, like... Yeah, you don't need it. I just oh. feel like I see better when my eyes adjust to the moonlight, the natural lighting. Yep. Yep. And in my defense, I'm going to use <laughs> a TikTok that I, just, <laughs> I recently saw, but is a TikTok of like a uh, woman captain,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which... You know, a captain. But, like, it was oh. also, like, around the conversation about woman captains sailing big vessels. Which oh, is yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, she was showing, like, a night crossing. And what that looks oh, like so when you do cool. a night cross across, like, the Atlantic or something. Right. And it's pitch black. Dude. And everyone yep. was like, why aren't you using, like, a spotlight? Blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, because it's much safer to cross under the light of a moon mm-hmm. rather than an artificial light because the artificial light will actually only encompass what like a certain area so you can't oh. see anything outside of that that light tunnel and that's right. dangerous
0: that's so interesting so that there we
1: go sorry <laughs>
0: that's my
1: i would wow. love to do a full moon hike without lights.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, I I was going to say, I I didn't know you were saying it for that reason, but my reason is just like, you don't need it. Like you have the full moon. Like it's actually quite bright when you're just using the the natural light of the full moon to guide you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree that you don't need it. I've done several cows mountain hikes Mm. under the full Mm -hmm. moon where I do see people walking up with like their cell phone lights to help them and it just (laughs) irritates me
0: (laughs) i am actually very judgmental about that (laughs) what (laughs) is that where we went that one time like during like last christmas time like last winter remember Mm -hmm. we went a little birthday trek you and me
1: no no that was mount laguna no that was mount laguna okay which would also be a great place to hike under the full moon it's actually a dark sky Reserve officially, That's right. um, like That's right. national park wise, mm-hmm. um, so you can really see the Milky Way out there, super crystal clear. So right. that can also be on our list.
0: Ah, yeah, so good. Yeah, so good. There's good been a pool. lot of videos like the night crossing videos showing up on my for you page as well so i wonder if we're seeing the same videos but it is seriously (laughs) like i'm shocked that this lady captain is saying that she even can see anything like her eyes are probably way more well adjusted given that's her job but when i'm seeing it through my like iphone screen (laughs) i'm like i just see a bull i just see black i see nothing so i don't know how they do it plus like i think just like seeing that vastness of black are all around you it can get overwhelming yeah
1: shout out to my buddy bryson but Mm -hmm. uh when i talk to him about you know what he does as his service as a navy officer Mm -hmm. well he flies helicopters and so sometimes they'll just go yeah, yeah. They'll just fly off of Coronado like straight out into the ocean for many, many miles and mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I have to do that at night and it's oh. you can't see shit in the air. Wow. You don't know the only way you know you're going up, down straight, right, left is through the radar or whatever in the what? helicopter. And so like you don't know how close you are really to the water if you don't <laughs> have that. Like it's just all black, like a black bubble.
0: Wow. So that is wild dude i don't know how people do -hmm. that (laughs) yeah it's very very cool i don't know if that provided any sort of transition for you megan
1: not at all (laughs) but that's okay that was actually a really fun combo for me like i just like that like weird niche interest and like yeah the darkness yeah yeah (laughs)
0: all right (laughs) megan it is your turn to uh, your first story of 2022 actually so bring it on home megan what's it gonna be this week All right, so today I
1: am going to talk about a convicted murderer who is actually quite famous uh, in terms of mafia hitmen lore, (laughs) but I will be talking about Richard Kuklinski, also Mm -hmm. known as the Iceman, and I will... Do you have something to say? Do you have no. a like look on your
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm trying to remember if I remember that name. I think I do, but that name just mm. literally gives me the chill, so so
1: yeah, yeah. So he's actually quite famous, I would say, in terms of mm-hmm. the mythologies around him, his legacy, how people are very fascinated in his story and the um all the kind of what's it called? pop culture that's centered around him he was very much a early 80s through the 90s murderer and so there are multiple documentaries about him they're all specifically on hbo they're they're Mm -hmm. collectively called the iceman tape so you can watch all these and it's just him doing interviews with people when he's in prison so you can watch this and it is really interesting and i think i understand why people are so fascinated by who he is because i think it's very much centered around how he's just so like non-remorseful is one word but like he's just very matter of fact about Mm -hmm. the life that he led and how he killed and all that but I'll get more into that later because I do think it's an important like my fascination towards him is like the psychoanalysis aspect and what people have kind of felt about him as a person over the years from a psychiatrist perspective mm-hmm. so we'll get in that later but let's just start with yeah his story because I finally did my due <laughs> diligence and I do have my sources up let me say my sources a and E, A and so a lot of my sources oh, are just like that's old pop school, culture bro. like docu-series yeah, stuff yeah. but A&E a video by youtuber slash mental health counselor dr todd grant grande Mm. hbo is one of my sources Mm -hmm. another video series called i lived with a killer the cdc and ncbi and why why am i talking about this guy on a podcast about poison? well he did use cyanide as one of his methods for killing so i'll talk a little bit about cyanide A couple of the murders that he was convicted for did involve cyanide. So that is like Mm. a part of his narrative, like his, his, the lore around him. Okay. So let's start at the beginning and let me just put in a warning to our listeners. There will be um, mentions of uh, domestic abuse and sexual assault Mm -hmm. in this episode so uh i will try to hint again at one that's going to approach but most of it will be in this beginning section (laughs) in his childhood and relating to his siblings okay Mm. richard kuklinski is born in 1935 in new jersey to a stanley kuklinski and an anna mcnally His father, Stanley, is a Polish immigrant who works as a brakeman for a railroad line. And what a brakeman is, is exactly what the title says. He actually works to help break the trains on the tracks as they approach or if they need to be diverged or something. So that's what his father does. And his mother is um, a Catholic Irish immigrant. And it didn't really give if she had an occupation at that time or anything. He has three other siblings, so there's four of them total. He has an older brother, and then it's himself, a younger brother, and a younger sister. Koklinski endures a pretty horrible home life as a child. Well, him mm-hmm. and all his siblings endure a pretty abusive home life. Mm-hmm. His father is a angry alcoholic who is also very absent, but when he would come around after, after several days of stepping out, he would... Beat his children specifically Richard um, and mind you a lot of this is a lot of this information I'll share today is mostly taken from the interviews with the mm-hmm. when he's incarcerated okay. but I do think that this story holds up pretty consistently given like gotcha. how he ultimately treats his own family and where he is remorseful in the future but anyway mm-hmm. his father is pretty violent to the children it's alleged that he was violent to the point that he beat the oldest brother so severely that the oldest brother died so he beat the oldest brother to death oh my and God. when the brother was taken to the hospital family kind of maintained that oh he just simply fell down some steps but like oh boy it seemed unlikely that that was the case right his mother was also abusive physically and emotionally. He tells about uh, how his mother would beat him with a broom handle. One time she beat him so hard that the broom broke over him because she was a very like strict Catholic. She, you know, brought up the children as Catholic. Richard was even an altar boy at one point, Uh, but ultimately Catholicism did not really stick with him. And I imagine to have lived that experience yeah. that might have been like something that's like, you know what, I'm not interested in this anymore. So as he grew into an adult, totally. he didn't really practice Catholicism. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is kind of a jump in the timeline, but it kind of gives you an, a, an idea of how maybe their upbringing really had a negative impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, there could be a nurture and nature aspect, but here's a trigger warning for sexual assault. In 1970, his younger brother was convicted of the murder and rape of a 12-year-old girl, oh. and he actually threw this young girl and her dog off a the top of a five-story building, oh my God. and then was, you know, convicted and put in prison. And they ended up being mm. uh, put in the same prison at a certain time, but they never like had a relationship when they were in prison. I see. Um,
0: Was this when he was still a child or when he was older? Um,
1: This was in 1970, so they would have both been adults. Like um, Richard would have already been deep into his adulthood and the crimes that he was involved in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how did he develop into an eventual murderer uh, slash someone who would use poisons (laughs) and having this uh, reputation of being like a huge mafia hitman? Oh, and for further context, one of the biggest mythologies around Richard uh, Kuklinski is that he claims to have killed more than 100, almost to 200 people. Oh. And you'll see that in the interviews. And so I think that's why there's a lot of fascination because they people are just like, oh, he's just so cold. Like, he would just kill for fun. Like, it wasn't like a business thing. It would just be like he would hunt homeless people for sport. Oh you know, God. that sort of thing. So that's why but, they called the Iceman? Or is that s- separate? <laughs> um that's to me that's separate but I think that that um at some point is adopted into why he's called the Iceman there's actually a very Mm -hmm. specific reason why he's called the Iceman and I will get to that but like if you if you meet someone who knows about Richard Kuklinski but they only know about him through the HBO interviews they'll be like oh that's the guy who killed like hundreds of people right he was just like Mm -hmm. a cold-blooded hitman Mm -hmm. and that's like that's what the social, like, not social media. That's what media has maintained. But I actually think that um, that's not accurate. And I'll explain all that later. Okay. Got it. So, <clears throat> so, um, so he ultimately survives an abusive childhood. And um, he does develop into someone who is just... Uh, an angry person easy to set off which makes sense and as a young adult going into his teenhood, he is bullied um outside of the home he Ugh. claims that his first murder was at the age of 13 Ooh. and his victim was his childhood bully he says something oh, like i God. just had enough one day I finally confronted him and I beat him up to a point where like there was no return he's like once I got started I couldn't stop and once I pulled off the kid was dead and he also claims that he then cut the fingertips off of the body and somehow disposed of the boy somewhere else and he said that like these were tricks that I learned because I was interested in true crime at the time mm, or true crime magazines or something. But this this claim has mm-hmm. been disputed as there was there's was never a report of a missing child from his school or neighborhood oh, at this okay. time. So you're going to see this theme of like these very large, grandiose claims mm. that, again, were all said in interviews when once he's already in prison. And, like, there's a very good theory out there that he is a narcissist on Mm -hmm. some level and does have psychopathic tendencies or characteristics. Mm -hmm. So typically, people that have those diagnoses, Mm -hmm. they are sociopathic liars as well. So that's why, like, the whole, like, him murdering hundreds of people is is actually pretty uncorroborated. But moving forward more realistically how did he get involved with crime more realistically which i feel like this part's more more true is that he probably started doing small robberies just around town he only had an eighth grade education that said he was still pretty smart like he knew that he was very street smart He, yeah, he got himself into petty crimes, such as, like, small robberies, and he did work at a film lab where he had had access to, like, master copies of films. Mm -hmm. So he ended up actually taking those master copies and pirating them and distributing them illegally. So that gave him a good source (laughs) of income. Specifically, he would distribute pornographic tapes, which was, like, a big underground business at the time, because this was, Mm -hmm. like, probably mid-1950s to late-1950s. And this is how he met most of his crime associates through like this Mm -hmm. kind of black market of bootleg films. It is alleged that because he was kind of building a reputation of being a pretty successful like small robbery, petty crime person, that a distinguished Italian mafia family in town did hire him for a few odd jobs and so mm-hmm. that family was the DeCavalante family mm-hmm. but here's where my sources get like a little wonky and I don't know who to <laughs> trust And one of my sources, they were like, the Decavalante family hired him. And at the time, it was Carmine Genovese, who was the head boss. But Carmine Genovese was literally the boss of the Genovese crime family. So that makes no sense why those two names are
0: intertwined. Like, they definitely existed
1: at the same time. But that's where I'm like, this source is questionable. The Decavalante family is the inspiration for The Sopranos, just for, like, context. He's hired by, like crime families to do small jobs mm-hmm. yep. and then it's alleged again being very intelligent about the, the term <laughs> alleged that at some point the odd jobs kind of graduate him to finally doing a hit on somebody i feel like that's probably likely he does like a hit or something and recognizes that he has no feeling about it right. it is what it is according to a source what happens is this is the one source that was like, oh, it's Carmine Genovese, who's the head. So I'm just gonna like say what the source said, but who knows if it's <laughs> accurate? But it, it, it helps for my timeline. Sure. So according to the source, Carmine Genovese at the time, Richard is doing odd jobs for these folks, and then Carmine Genovese is eventually arrested for like gambling. Okay. Um. And when that happens, his hiring for these odd jobs starts to slow down. So he mm-hmm. ends up actually taking up a legitimate occupation as working for a truck company. Mm-hmm. And this is where he meets his second wife. So this is kind of a weird second thing because, wife? through, <laughs> yeah, because at some point through all this, he does marry and he has two boys. What? But that first wife, I think, because of, one, how early they divorce and probably two, his reputation that he has later on in life. Mm-hmm. I think she very much did not want to be involved with him at all, like right when people were doing interviews and stuff. So you don't yep. hear anything really about the second wife, except for like mm-hmm. short mentions that like, oh, sorry, not the second wife, the first wife. So you don't really hear much about her, but he did have a first wife, two sons, and he treated them well, and then mm-hmm. they left, or at least that's what people say, treated him well, and then they left. Okay. Then at the trucking company, he meets a secretary named Barbara, and they immediately start dating. They like each other, but it becomes pretty apparent to Barbara that he's got anger trigger issues mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and can just be an angry, angry person. It is said that when she recognized this, she started to kind of distance herself. She even talking with him one day and was like, maybe we should see other people or like asking, like, would you want to see other people? Mm -hmm. And the story goes that he like actually takes a knife out (gasps) and stabs her in the back. And she doesn't even realize that she's stabbed until she sees there's blood because he did it so quickly.
0: Oh, my God. And
1: he apparently threatens her life. If you don't stay, like, I'm going to fucking kill you sort of thing. And so she stays. and. They have three children, two daughters, Merrick and Christine, and one son. But the Uh son, I think also out of like respect for himself or whatever, like you don't really hear a lot about the son. You see him in Mm -hmm. photos, Mm -hmm. but he's like the name's never present or he's not in interviews, you know? Yeah. So what's interesting about this information is that in all the HBO documentaries and even some articles about him – you will see interviews of that, that wife, Barbara, oh, okay. and they'll always, the, how it's done, because these documentaries were done in 1993, 2001, and 2003,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: in those interviews, she goes, oh, you know, he was always, like, so warm. He was such a family man. All these things, blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, huh. he was, you know, good to us. Sometimes he got angry, but then other times it was really good, blah, 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 blah. Interesting. Which I think there's truth in that last statement yeah. but I think I finally watched this one other documentary the I lived with a killer one on YouTube mm-hmm. where his daughter is actually and that one was produced in 2019 okay. where his daughters actually talk about their experience and I think it's oh. one of those things where once he was in jail and stuff mm-hmm. like they probably just wanted to separate themselves from him so right. if they had anything negative to say maybe they were scared to say it mm-hmm. who knows so yeah, it's weird that the HBO documentaries have no mention of what will be pretty severe family and domestic abuse mm-hmm. with his second wife and his second set of children.
0: Wow. And um, his daughters, in, so in mm-hmm. the I there. his daughters didn't share anything different to the mom. So they kind of were in line with that. The Correct. family line was that he was sometimes angry, but it was great most of the time. Right, right. Like, they
1: knew that he had, like, this hair trigger anger or fits. And that's what's what's kind of maintained in the HBO docuseries. Yeah. But then in this other one, they're just, like, very forthright about how he treated the mom and okay. them. So he never hit the children. Mm-hmm. He did hit Barbara often. It's said that there was one time where he beat her so badly that she miscarried uh, to a point, mm-hmm. like, she was pretty far into her pregnancy that like it made her actually start to give birth or something horrible, like just brutal, brutal, brutal information. But that ended up being a miscarriage. just like really bad. This was something that I, that actually teared up at in the Mm -hmm. documentary with the two sisters giving the interview, but apparently, and this is something I found also across different sources, but Mm -hmm. he did have a particularly close relationship with one of his daughters, Merrick. And, Merrick was kind of like his outlet f- to vocalize his frustration So he wasn't ever okay. directing it at her, sure. but when he was moody or depressed or just mm-hmm. feeling sick in the head kind of thing, like mm-hmm. he would just unload that on her and she took that as a child and like she was like his therapist at a really young age. Wow. And so she kind of they built this bond that was very unhealthy for both of them like unhealthy definitely for her because she's Mm -hmm. like seeing her dad unload all this horrible stuff and like Mm -hmm. what is she gonna do about it she's just a kid yeah exactly but one thing that she said in the interview she was like there was one day where they had just he had just beat barbara so badly and he sat down with merrick and he said something along the lines of like you know if you're mom does this again or if you guys upset me again or something Mm -hmm. i'm gonna kill all of you and in the interview she starts crying and it's heartbreaking because she says and i remember i said it's okay dad i understand like how fucked up you know horrible shit so anyway i wanted to bring that to light because that's just not talked about in the other Wow. Reports of his is, life.
0: This is in the 2019 one where I lived with the killer. Yes. Wow. Yes.
1: Those so, Merrick, children. you clearly see she holds that burden as being the child that, in some ways, understood her father, but the understanding is from a point of not knowing how to deal with right. what to do? this type of trauma. <laughs> That's, yeah, right. you know, coming from him. Oh, the other gosh. sister, Christine, she does say, she's like, you know, he would go through like depressive fits and he would mm-hmm. write on the walls in their bedroom. You're stupid. Blah, blah, blah. Oh like towards God, himself. Okay. Um, okay. so he had like still <laughs> something. He had uh, some sort of mental. Oh, I bet. Health issues. Right. And so, so I, mean, I will get to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get to that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so yeah, pretty awful, pretty awful. Yeah. Okay. So that's like his family life. <laughs> We're going to wow. go back into the to the crime. The one thing about him though, though is a horrible word. He's still horrible, <laughs> but the one thing about him
0: mm-hmm.
1: is that he I was going to say he never kind of mixed family with business. Mm-hmm. But I will contradict that.
0: <laughs> at okay. some point on okay. some
1: levels he did mix family with business, but basically when I say that he didn't mix they weren't really aware of him Killing people, okay. sort of thing.
0: He didn't bring. They that home. knew
1: that he was in some shady stuff outside of the home, mm-hmm. but they because you know after a while working in crime rings and doing all this, he did earn a lot of money, and so yeah. they were like, he would say he's like a dis- wholesale distributor, and the do- one of the daughters in the inter- interviews were like, we never knew what that meant, what a wholesale <laughs> distributor was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they knew something was up, but I don't think they knew the extent to, like, how he would ultimately kill people. I think the reason why the HBO docuseries... Multiple reasons. I think the reason why they don't touch on the family abuse in the house as much is because, one, probably during the time of these docuseries the mother didn't want that information shared you know maybe mm-hmm. she just want to like this is my life I want it to be private whatever but also if you do end up watching any of those interviews with Kuklinski he comes off as as much as like we know his background now
0: mm-hmm.
1: he comes off as like like genuine and not kind but like just someone who's calm and controlled right he comes off very approachable that's and i think okay. that's why these uh, there's this kind of sick thing that when you look him up it's almost like people talk about him in a way that's respected and i'm Ugh. like no he was horrible yeah. but i think people ca- get this impression to like instinctually respect and trust him because of how he presents in the interviews and that's so i'm like bizarre. that's just sociopathy 101 you yeah. know yeah yeah okay moving forward okay so his first notable murder so i'm not only gonna mention i'm gonna mention five <laughs> notable murders okay because he's ultimately convicted of six i believe but wow. these are the ones that end up getting him caught in yeah. the in the long run okay So, his first notable murder is a crime associate, some would say actual friend, George Maliban. He knew George through, like, the porn distribution industry. Mm -hmm. George had a very bad gambling habit. And at some point, this was in... Like the late nineteen seventies, early late nineteen seventies, early nineteen uh, eighty, mm-hmm. George comes to Kuklinski for help because he's in debt to various loan sharks of up to thirty five thousand okay. dollars. That's a shit ton of money that's back then, lot. but basically that gives you an idea of how severe this guy's mm-hmm. gambling debt slash habit is. Okay, mm-hmm. so he comes to Kuklinski and he's like, "Hey, man, I need help," and Kuklinski is actually able to get him a $35,000 loan from the Gambino crime family oh, at a friend's rate of interest. So basically, Kuklinski, <laughs> yeah, Kuklinski is, um, I hate to say it this way, but like putting his neck on the line for for George right. and being like, okay, I got you $35,000, but you have to pay it back. Like that's yeah. just, that's how this is going to work or else mm-hmm. there's going to be repercussions. Okay. So George does initially he is initially good on his word, okay. but then slowly stops making payments, and he puts Kuklin, ultimately putting Kuklinski's reputation at risk sure. with the Gambino family. The Gambino family, you know, notices these stops in payments <laughs> and starts to lean a little bit on Kuklinski and is oh like, no. "Hey man, where's our money?" <laughs> you know, like that sort of thing.
0: <laughs> I have my
1: money. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so Kuklinski's is like, oh, f- like. God damn it, George! Like, I put my neck out for you. You're being a freaking fuck, right? So that sort of thing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay, so on January 30th of 1980, Kuklinski takes George for a drive with the intention to tell him, like, hey, man, the Gambinos are on my ass and there's going to be consequences if you don't fucking pay up. Mm -hmm. And allegedly, George kind of turns it on Kuklinski and is like you and the Gambinos won't do anything to me because I know where your family and children live so George is trying to like counter threat counter threaten Uh,
0: Kuklinski no
1: which is a mistake for George (laughs) because Kuklinski hair trigger impulsion anger rage he pulls over and just impulsively shoots George five times oh and he takes George's body. Mm -mm. Puts it in, like, a oil drum. Like, you know, one of those, like, metal drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drops, dumps the drum near, like, a chemical factory somewhere in Jersey City. Jeez. And one thing that's noted in this story is that the body doesn't really fit in the drum. So Kuklinski has to saw George's (gasps) leg off and, like, stuff it in there. And this is where I'm like, okay, how did this happen? Like, where are the additional details? But apparently... The drum somehow falls down a hill into a ravine. What? Maybe when like Kuklinski's not there. Maybe when, you know, he's not there anymore. In the dead of the dead Yeah, like I'm like, how did a drum with a full ass man in Dude. it that's weighing it down suddenly roll down a hill. All the fox but anyway. pushed it down the hill. I know. They're all like, <laughs> What's this? <laughs> the fox. And I was sniffing it. Mm, smells bloody. <laughs> Ew. Okay, it's fucked up. Okay. But anyway. Um, so yeah, so somehow um, the drum you know pops open when it hits the bottom oh, of gosh. the ravine of course it and the little part of leg is like sticking okay. out a little bit and so I like witnesses ultimately come across it and they're like what is that and okay they see it's a body yeah and um, of course immediately the police are notified And they immediately go to George's family to question, like, yo, this -hmm. is clearly him. What, you know, like, who was he last seen with? All that. So George's brother actually does say, oh, you know, the last person he was with, at least who I knew of, was Mm -hmm. Richard Kuklinski. Oh,
0: no.
1: And so the police do go to question Kuklinski. Mm -hmm. And again, this is where, like, information skips in all of my sources. He's somehow able to, like draw them them off his scent like somehow he's able to talk him out of it um and i think also we do have to be mindful of the time period like this is 1980 Mm -hmm. i think at the time it's hard to connect your someone with a murder um especially if prior to this you don't see multiple of the same types of murders yeah and also we don't have dna evidence or any Mm -hmm. of that like it's all based on eyewitness, eyewitness accounts um and like a confession, essentially. Right. Yeah. So, so they can't prove anything. They're like, okay, we know he's the last person to see George, but cannot prove it. Right. But that kind of like gets Kuklinski on the radar, sort of thing. Sure. So they're like, okay, well, like we question him about this, but whatever. Um. So that's they, the first.
0: My question is like, yeah. dude, he first of all, I don't know. Maybe I've just watched too many true crime stuff, but sure. You sure. Someone in your car is like the number one worst thing you could do it's just like a ground zero of forensic evidence but maybe you're right this is the 1980s so because i'm just thinking like blood spa- splatter like it's gonna be so hard to clean your car and if it's the 80s absolutely fabric <laughs> seats and shit yeah so, that's and why he I, finds a drum and then saws his <laughs> leg during the freaking day probably or i don't know yeah i'm like how was he yeah. not seen by anybody i don't know
1: yeah um <laughs> all valid valid questions i think that's why this is this is a fun episode for me because it's just there's a load of like this crazy stuff that's just like
0: whoa but
1: take it all with a grain of salt for sure (laughs) like it's never said what time of day specifically this happens it's never said what happens with the car it's never said where he saws the leg (laughs) like where did where did he get the drum and how does he have the power to move a full drum with like a body Body, in it right we yeah none of that information is available so it's just like take it with a a grain of salt take it like a grain of salt yeah (laughs) if it's any he i i should give an idea of kuklinski's stature Mm. because maybe maybe he could pull this off on his own Mm. but he's a six five like 200 plus mount pound man and i think by the end of his life he's like 300 pounds like he's a big
0: Freaking yep. dude, yep. yeah, he is. I just looked up pictures, guys. If you guys have so. ever seen Daredevil, sorry, I was like, he really. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Have you seen Daredevil, Megan? Uh, bits and pieces. Okay, they're Basically, yeah. guys, if you've seen Daredevil, he looks like the bad guy in Daredevil, just like this. Is really, it King Kingpin? The Kingpin, yeah.
1: I kind of yeah? think he looks like
0: the Kingpin a little bit, like in his older years. But he also kind yeah. of looks like Jack Nicholson if he was just like a little bit over.
1: Yeah, he's got like, he's got like the narrow eye. Yeah, he's got the very eyebrows, sharp, not sharp nose, but like almost
0: like a small nose, like a small yeah. little
1: button nose. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, he's yeah, a, his yes, interesting character. You guys look him up and then you'll see what I mean.
1: Yeah. Okay, so that is the murder of George Maliban. Okay. Okay. We're going to move into the second notable murder. Second notable murder. So, so I think timing is important here because these things all do happen within like a 5-year time span sort of thing. Okay. I do feel like as much as he has a reputation for being like this is going to sound horrible, but like a killing mastermind, a killing god, just like a rampage killer, whatever, blah mm-hmm. blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um What really undoes him is he's messy in his approach essentially to killing which is so fucked up like what do i know i don't know how to kill someone like but like so i've meticulous. been watching a lot of <laughs> for for context and <laughs> what, what makes me an expert apparently i've been watching a lot of Mindhunter hunter mm. and the <laughs> the witch fucking love that show <laughs> so but the one thing like that stuck in my mind because it's just so recent is like when they're doing the organization of like okay what what box do we put these serial right. killers in mm-hmm. are they organized disorganized what does serial even mean? All that stuff. So they're having a yeah. conversation in the show. You'll see the word serial killer come up for Richard Kuklinski, mm. but I would not label him as such because, like, I don't see him as someone... I guess I mean I don't know what is the definition of serial killer. But but basically like I don't see him as someone who is technically organized. Like when he killed yeah. it was usually because of someone provoked him, right but they also owed him money. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it was mm-hmm. like
0: well, he had no a MO. business thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like- except for except for like you need to pay up or you have a debt to me or whatever. Right. So I'll go into like the next couple murders and you'll see what I mean. After he kills George, he ends up I at this point I don't think he's really working for any mafia interests. Okay. Which I think to me that's why I'm like he claims he was a, a big mafia hitman, but there's a lot of sources from the actual mafia's families that were like never really mention him ever they Mm -hmm. they'll they'll tell about like famous killings Mm -hmm. that kuklinski will claim that he did yeah and then the actual family will be like no we had our own man do that like we had our own family do that sort of thing so
0: so just talk talk it up then Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah so i think he's not really being hired by mafia people anymore so he expands his own criminal enterprise by starting like a breaking and entering ring so a robbery <laughs> ring okay and his his robbery ring consists of an al rinky a gary smith I know, a danny daniel deppner and a percy house and then also by association danny deppner's wife through this ring, there's one more person that's kind of involved. Uh, he has another crime associate named Phil Salomini, who's the guy that runs the pawn shop. Okay. So when they steal stuff, they'll run the stuff mm, through the pawn shop smart. and then they get their money and smart. everyone splits the the goods. Right. right. Okay. And this is where I do think on some level he did bring business home because one of the daughters mentions that she she knew about Phil. Like, she knew the name Phil. She even knew the name George Maliban. Oh. And she had met him. She remembers meeting George Maliban and being like, he was just as big as my father. Like, he was mm-hmm. a mountain of a man as well. So, like, on some level there was Got crossover. Gotcha. Okay. So, this B&E ring... Um, is going well so far so good i guess um but they start to execute so many robberies that the police do eventually take notice mm. and they open an official investigation the lead detective on this investigation is a detective pat kane during one of their not heists this is this is like a solo job that koklinski decides to do but he decides to rob a wealthy criminal named Louis Masgay, um, who's the owner of a variety store somewhere in Pennsylvania. But they kind of know each other through the crime ring. And one thing about Louis Masgay is that he always carries an abundant amount of cash on him. Because <laughs> what he, what Louis Masgay likes to do is go to like freaking pawn shops uh, and buy shit that he knows is valuable. And he'll always just have cash to like spend that on. Gotcha. So what, what... He, Kaklinski decides to do with his pawn shop buddy Phil solomini is they lure Louis Masgay to the shop mm-hmm. and they murder him oh in the store.
0: God. Just for his yeah. cash, just and, like that?
1: Yeah, just just for money, wow. just just to grab the money off his body. Um, and so this is where he ends up getting the name Iceman. Mm-hmm. They take Louis Masgay's body. And they put it in a freezer. Mm. There's different accounts. Some people just say freezer. Some people say they put him in like, when I think freezer, maybe like an ice chest. Right. And then they Mm -hmm. cover it with like cement or something like that to lock him in. (laughs) Um, Jesus. And then they just store him for two years. Wow. And I don't, and then at some point, uh, Kuklinski dumps Mazgay's body in like 1983 in a park somewhere Ugh. and they find in his body because he's been frozen so well mm-hmm. uh, like two years after the fact of his death there's like ice in his blood like there's ice crystals in his blood oh. and when they eventually you know come to the realization that kuklinski's the reason for maske's death he gets that nickname Iceman. i see got it, so got that's it. why so like not as like I mean, yeah, it's, like, so cold-blooded, but, right, like, right. there's a literal, <laughs> literal reason, reason yeah. for why he's called Ice. I gotcha. So, um, so... Going back to the actual day of murder, though, Mazgay has like ninety thousand dollars on his body, what? which Iceman and Solomini split.
0: Yeah, like dude, that's
1: what? an absurd amount of cash to carry on you in the first place.
0: Like I just, he, what? That makes no sense. Like he just has like the trench coat that is like up to here. Yeah, like he is the widest man I mean, ever. I know. I'm like, his eyes I'm are just dollar because- signs. <laughs>
1: I'm chuckling to myself because I think that's an absurd amount of money to carry that's on your ridiculous. body. But I'm like, dude, there's for sure some uber wealthy people out there who might carry that 90, much on thousand? their body. I don't know. Oh, boy. Yeah, 90,000. Okay. It's a lot. Crazy. So here's the thing, though. Mm-hmm. Salamini, the pawn shop friend, mm-hmm. brags about this uh, no, no, murder. No. No. Yeah, brags about this murder to the yeah. rest of the breaking and entering crew. Uh, oh. <laughs> because, it, you don't. I emphasize murder because when I first heard this, I was like, oh, they're going to try to, like, steal the money from him or whatever. Like, they're all going to, like, backstab each other. Yeah. But no, that's... It doesn't... Uh, the money is not touched at all. It's just the fact that Solomini has now implied Kuklinski in a murder. You know what I mean? And so right. that's extra information to his breaking and entering group that... They can hold against him. So that's the threat mm-hmm. there. Because at this, at this time, the rest of the people in the B&E group, they are not murdering people. They're just yeah. stealing. <laughs> right, so, right. so now Kuklinski has this reputation within his mm. little crime ring that he murders people. Gotcha. Okay. So, da-da-da-da. Okay. So one of his colleagues, Al Rinke, gets arrested... Um, cause they all do their own crime stuff on the side, you know, <laughs> it's like their side jobs and then oh they all come gosh. together and do a hit, you know what I mean? So Al Rinke gets arrested <laughs> and decides to become an informant for the police. Oh shit. And he gives up the rest of the crew. Dude. Like he names everybody, but he doesn't actually name Kuklinski fully. He just calls him big rich because he's afraid of recourse from right. Kuklinski. Like, wow. because he knows like, Oh, this guy's capable of killing. Yep. That's the one person I won't give up. But Mm. the police, like, they get the hint. You know, they're like, okay, there's someone named Ritchie out there who's, like, doing this shit. Okay. So, warrants um, are sent out for the arrest of two other of the crime ring people, Percy House and Danny Dupner. Okay, so Kuklinski knows that this is all happening. He's like, fuck, my (laughs) crime associates are all getting taken down. Are being arrested And uh, mind you these are just warrants for the arrest they're not pulled in just yet like they're okay. um his uh associates percy house danny defner gary smith all them they're like trying to evade arrest at this point gotcha. so kaklinski actually offers to help hide some of them mm. so this is what happens but here's the deal <laughs> kaklinski knows that they know about him murdering and all that and he's like if these fools get caught because he thinks they're super incompetent he's like if these fools get caught they're gonna give me up yeah so kuklinski (laughs) convinces both gary smith and daniel deppner to come hide at a local motel and await instructions Mm -mm. what gary smith doesn't know is that kuklinski um i guess this was like an interesting tactic, but he gets Daniel Deppner on board to be like, Hey, we're going to kill Gary. So you two show up at the motel. And when I come through with some fast food, we'll kill Gary. Okay. And so what happens is Gary and Daniel wait at the motel. Mm -hmm. Daniel's in on this. He knows they're about to whack Gary. Um, correct terminology. Yeah. Kuklinski (laughs) picks up burgers. Um, And he adds cyanide to the one burger that, like, doesn't have pickles on it or something like that. And so he distributes all the burgers to the room. And Daniel even checks his burger, apparently, to make sure, like, okay, these have pickles. Like, I'm good. I'm good. Gary eats the burger. Clearly starts showing signs of, like, okay, the poison's working. Right. Okay. This is a quick scourge. Like, okay, take take that image and we're going to halt right there. (laughs) Um, one thing I didn't do a lot of due diligence on in my research of the story is there is a, another person called Robert Prongay, who is a person that I'm assuming is really talked about a lot because he's even in like the movie, um, not the documentaries, but there's a movie called The Iceman. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Kuklinski's life. But anyway, Mm -hmm. apparently this Robert Prongay was a mentor to Kuklinski and he's the one who introduced Kuklinski to cyanide as a weapon and so i just wanted to put that in there it is said that kuklinski actually murdered prongay at some point in the 80s as well um but yeah i just wanted to put that name in there because like that's who he claims was his like cyanide mentor
0: so anyway (laughs) <laughs> That's a very interesting method of killing for someone like him. Who's yes, very big. Like I'm assuming, very strong. Like he could easily kill someone with his, just his own strength.
1: Yes, and he did have access to um, arms. Like he had access to guns. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And um, totally, there is one part in one of the documentary inter um, HBO interviews where he tells a story about pulling up next to another car. And shooting the guy in the head with, like, a sawed-off shotgun. Again, this could mm-hmm. all be, like, totally fake, but this mm-hmm. is what he says. He's like, I remember pulling up, I shot the guy in the head um, as a sawed-off shotgun, and he's like, what I didn't expect is for his head to totally disappear, sort of thing. Oh and there's a part of me that's like okay if this story is true because he does he's like i was honestly surprised that he's like i knew i was gonna shoot him in the face but i didn't think his whole head would like disintegrate oh, sort of thing Oh my gosh. um so there's a part of me like if this story is true i could see kuklinski being like fuck like guns are messy yeah. maybe i could use cyanide um because it's just like less shocking right. so he yeah. was like experimenting in right right yeah that's yeah interesting. okay um there's also a part of me that's like um because i am convinced that you know he's he's ultimately a narcissist mm-hmm. um a psychopath but on the narcissistic level i can see someone i mean a lot of our poisoners who we talk about i would say are narcissists because yep. and i think there's something about poison that's really appealing to someone who's you know diagnosed with there's some there's a word for it like vulnerable narcissism whatever it's called but um because it makes them feel like elite smart you know what i mean like there's something about poisons that seems like intelligent yeah totally totally right anyways going back to the scene so he has the burgers uh gary eats the cyanide burger it's this is where this is where I feel like Kuklinski really, as much as he wanted to use cyanide, he doesn't actually plan because this is what happens. <laughs> Gary apparently doesn't die fast enough. Oh, I don't know no. what that means. I don't know what timeline they were working yeah, on. Like, if you give hours. someone enough <laughs> cyanide, like, 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 yeah, like, could you, like, how quick were they trying to kill him? You know what I mean? Like, right. if, if they really wanted to just do it with cyanide. Like, maybe they could have waited an hour and just, like, let him just suffer. You know what I mean? But right. for some reason, for them, it wasn't working fast enough. So, Deppner, the other guy who's in on this, yeah. he grabs a lamp cord and strangles oh, Gary to death. No. So, Gary ultimately dies from strangulation, <sighs> which is kind of a... <laughs> this is sick. <laughs> this is going to be sick. Okay, okay. To me, is kind of a shame. Because I'm like, you put all this effort into, like, poisoning this burger. And you just end up strangling him, like... I don't know.
0: It's kind of like... Unless it was going to take hours hours and (laughs) hours. And can you imagine how awkward that must have been? Like, they're all sitting and, like, looking at each other, looking at him, not dying fast enough. Like, what do we do? Like, we didn't plan any activities after eating this burger. (laughs) Right.
1: Right. I do wonder, like, in that moment, I wonder if there's a discomfort that's felt. Like, Mm -hmm. I think if Kuklinski was alone... Again, this will be contradicted later, but I think if Kukinsky was alone, maybe he could have been comfortable of just like, I'm just going to watch this fool suffer, you know, like, because he's capable of that. But maybe Depner's... Remember, they're not... Depner's not a killer, per se. So maybe he's like, oh, God, I can't, like, watch this anymore. I'm just going to fucking end it, you know? That's just a theory.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So this is where (laughs) Depner's wife criminal by association or whatever yeah um she his wife is supposed to bring the car around to the motel so they can dump gary's body in it and then yes. like take the body away but she never shows up <laughs> so what they do is they resort to storing gary's body under the motel mattress oh, and gross. according to one source The body is not discovered until four days later, and it is said that guests were definitely using that room when his body was under that mattress. you
0: (laughs) have got to be kidding me. Oh, my God. (gasps) Yeah. Crazy shit. Dude, no. Check under your mattresses, y'all. Absolutely not. When you go to a hotel. Okay, but how do you
1: not feel that? I think when I say under mattress, I like... Oh, like like under the bed. Maybe it's like a lifted bed frame or something, you know, like... Fucking scary. I don't know.
0: That is <laughs> so scary. I'm, I'm laughing now because I'm like, dude, what
1: if it was just under, like, between the mattress and the box spring? It's I totally some
0: misunderstood customer. what you said. <laughs> I'm,
1: but I'm laughing at the concept. Some customers like lying on it. Like, God, this is so lumpy. <laughs> the Princess and the Pea
0: gone dark. Wow. <laughs> oh uh, goddamn. Now body I'm under there. afraid of all hotels, <laughs> automatically. <laughs> Yeah, I feel
1: that. Okay. Um, okay, so that is his, perhaps not as, again, this is the only one that we know for sure happened, mm-hmm. but that's the first recorded cyanide poisoning okay. of Kuklinski's, the Iceman's. Okay. <laughs> I shouldn't say that with such gusto. Like, he's a bad person. Just a reminder, everybody. He's a bad person. He's horrible. Okay. Oh, I forgot about this detail. So... Okay, yeah. This is an additional detail to the murder of, of uh, Gary, the guy that just died. Mm. Um, uh, so at this point in time, Merrick, his one daughter, mm-hmm. she's about 16 year old. She's dating a guy named Richie. This is again where business and family definitely overlap. Okay. So after Gary's murder, Kuklinski is like, okay, Daniel Deppner, now you have to hide. People are going to be after us now and like, I'm going to hide you out. Like, I've, I've got your back. I'm going to hide you out. Mm-hmm. So he actually asks Merrick's boyfriend, Richie, to stash Deppner at his apartment as like his little safe house from the police. Mm. Okay. Because remember, there's a warrant out for Deppner as well. Right. And Kuklinsey's like, okay, just stay at my daughter's boyfriend's apartment. Weird. Okay. Um, and lay low. Lay low mm-hmm. for a little bit. The police end up actually going to Deppner's actual home where mm-hmm. the wife answers the door and they go not for any reason involved what we just talked about is yeah. for like a noise complaint or something oh, like okay. the noise complaint was made so the police show up and Deppner's wife is like so freaked out about yeah. everything that's happening and knowing that someone just died and all that like her f- husband's involved in a murder that she just blurts <gasps> it all to the police Shut apparently up. and she is like oh my god yeah like uh, they were like
0: they came from one is... thing left with another <laughs> R- Dude.
1: right right and like so so kuklinski is now like implied or, or whatever like now the Implicated. police are tipped yeah. off mm-hmm. right wow so that sucks the so kuklinski hears about this oh no she somehow that. like has i don't know how people talk whatever crime ring people talk yeah. or whatever so Koklitzki learns about this and he's like all right well now i gotta fucking get rid of daniel Deppner." um mm-hmm. he never like they never talk about what how he addresses like the wife because yeah. she would be like a risk too but they yeah. only talk about daniel Deppner. okay but anyway so he learns about this um <laughs> This is the stupidest thing to me. But he takes, you know, he takes Depner from the Richie's apartment, stores him at another motel, and he offers him a free meal. No, come on. <laughs> and Depner gladly obliges what? to this free okay. meal. Like, well, this la-di-da. <laughs> yeah. And instead of a burger this time, apparently it's like roast beef sandwich Dude, or come on,
0: boy. And uh, <laughs> And this is
1: the stupidest thing again to me. So it's definitely laced with cyanide. Yeah. Depner eats a sandwich, clearly starts feeling the effect of cyanide. Mm -hmm. But then Kuklinski just shoots him in the head anyway. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I think maybe he was like, thinking. I don't like,
0: understand. He's like, ah, he's probably going to take forever, so I need to do double duty here. <laughs> <laughs> Makes <some> sense, though. <laughs> but, but there's no, yeah. I'm like, there's no double duty aspect if the gun just does all the duty. I know that's you. true. Like, that's what? true. <laughs> like you can't be dead twice. At least I don't think. Right. But, well, my question was from the beginning. There's three of them, right? Like that are on. The run sort of but why yeah did so choose gary to kill only <laughs> In the beginning, like why i think why does he have the short end of the stick <laughs> i
1: do not know i don't know the answer that's a g- yeah. great question maybe gary just seemed like the
0: most vulnerable maybe. to maybe he had a wobble um, him.
1: backstabbing them or whatever like right. you know
0: um because they had
1: equal information so... or they
0: had the equal amount of information of what he did so right curious yeah maybe
1: like I'm I'm
0: picturing like a
1: movie maybe like you know Gary maybe like Gary and Deppner are alone and I can see Gary just like freaking out he's yeah. like dude police are coming for us we got to turn ourselves in and maybe yeah. Deppner's still like neutral he's like well let's see what Richard says like you mm-hmm. know like maybe we can wait this out um that is just an assumption but who knows that's a great question yeah. I don't know I don't know okay who knows so <sighs> Okay, so Deppner dies from a gunshot to the head.
0: <laughs> not Second, cyanide secondary but it was cyanide. attempted. Right,
1: yeah. Um, and then Kuklinski, the ice man, mm-hmm. <laughs> asks Richie, Merrick's boyfriend, to help dump the body. Dude, and this that's, is what's unclear to me. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> this is Yeah. This is what's unclear to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Richie does dump the body and then merrick pretty much convinces him to just get out of town okay or if this is like or does merrick sense that something's weird Mm -hmm. like why is my dad asking richie for so much help yeah and just has this intuition and tells him to get out of town that's what i'm not sure ultimately i'm not sure if richie ever does help dump Deppner's body but what I do know is that Merrick tells him, like, Richie, you gotta get away. And then right. she never sees him again. Cause he does get out of town. Cause then um it was very likely that her own father would kill Richie, sort of thing. Right. Because he's just another loose end. So that's that. Okay. <laughs> so there's one more guy remaining from his little b and e ring it's percy house percy poor percy is already arrested at this okay. point um That's he's the safest arrested place to for, for, for i know for himself for himself he's arrested for a 79 count burglary indictment mm-hmm. 79. Um, or he's in prison he's Whew. in prison for that yeah okay and he becomes a informant to the police as yeah. part of his plea bargain. So, so it's like two of them got, two of them were killed by Kuklinski, mm-hmm. but then two of them were already like arrested and became informants for the police. That's right. how it works. So Percy's the second one after Al. Um, he tells the police that Kuklinski is the one responsible for killing George Maliban and Ooh. Louis Masque. Um. I guess I'm not. I'm not sure if Percy knew that. Like Gary and Deppner both died as well, <laughs> but he uh, he is like, hey, uh, Kuklinski killed these two other guys. Mm-hmm. So the police start a surveillance of the Kuklinski household, okay. and they put a stakeout on his residence in New Jersey. I just that's the same thing. That was redundant, but you get the idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> unfortunately for them, there's just not enough. Evidence to mm. pin these murders on Kuklinski. Like, again, it's... You'd have to be, like, an eyewitness or he'd have to confess <laughs> or something. Right. They they follow him and surveil him and they just, like, cannot catch him on anything. Interesting. Um. All right. And then on May 14th of 1983, they discover Danny Deppner's body okay. in the Milford Reservoir. I didn't say this earlier, but Gary's body was obviously found in the hotel, but mm-hmm. they just didn't know, like who done it. Right. But when they find Danny Deppner's body, they recognize the sil- similarities between his death and the death of Gary Smith. Mm-hmm. They both note like oh there was cyanide poisoning and then like some other co- <laughs> some other cause of death. <laughs> okay. So they're like okay, that's like interesting. Right. And then 4 months later, Louis Lewis masge's body also pops up um in orangetown New York. So suddenly you mm-hmm. got like a couple bodies all popping up and they did just have per- uh, Percy House you know incriminate Koklinski On these murders so they're like Okay well the body's popped up the only way To get evidence is to Get Kuklinski under an indictment To convict him like yeah. the only way f- To convict him is like We need to like put a wire on somebody And get him to like, speak to them right. So at this point The police create Operation Iceman okay. And this is a Investigative unit created between the New Jersey Attorney General's office and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms dedicated to arresting and convicting Koklinski. And the ATF, which is the acronym for Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms, mm-hmm. they're involved because they know Koklinski has a history of firearm sales. So they're like oh, maybe gotcha. we can use that as an in. Right. So one of the ATF officers, um gentleman named Special Agent Dominic Polifrone. Mm, I like that name. Italian. Italian. It's okay, so it's fucked up. So I can't help it. Italians. So Dominic Polifrone, he goes <laughs> undercover as a low-level gun dealer named Dominic Provenzano. <laughs> okay, I and, love it. Uh, and <laughs> so, so some guy pretty much goes um, undercover. That's so too dangerous. To infiltrate. Jeez. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so they do this operation for like
0: 18 months Dude. with no success. Like he's just no success. not doing anything. They can't catch him He on just anything. doesn't
1: Yeah, he he just doesn't bite like
0: wow. some
1: some documentary was like the the bodies were starting to pile up but they couldn't catch him. Honestly, I just feel like he wasn't doing anything. Maybe he was killing,
0: I don't know, but like yeah. there's no there's no record. I think he, in some ways, he was like being cleaner too. After he had his little crime ring, he's like, no more. <laughs> Not going to tell Yeah, exactly. Exa-
1: I mean, yeah, that's like, that's three people murdered in the span of one and a half years. Yeah. That feels like a lot. So, that's like, lot. I would cool down.
0: <laughs> you know? True.
1: And, like, he knows that he's being surveilled too. Right. So, 18 months go by and, uh, Dominic Prolefron, now known as Provenzano, he's having a hard time establishing a relationship with Kuklinski. Like, he, despite his criminal connections as Mm -hmm. undercover cop, he just can't get Kuklinski to be interested to buy a gun from him or something. That's what's going on. Okay. Simultaneously, Christine, one of the daughters, and the mother, Barbara they're at a point in their lives where they're actually conspiring to kill Richard.
0: Oh. Uh, they're, you know?
1: Yeah. They're conspiring to kill Kuklinski because they're just so miserable. Right. And they knew that the police were surveilling their home and following yeah. them. But they're like, it's been a year and a half mm-hmm. and all these guys with power and money and the resources to catch my father, they haven't done it yet. Right. So we're desperate. Like, how do we get out if they can't even, you know, wow. catch him? So they had heard in the news that there was like a story of a mother and daughter killing a man or something. But the daughter, who is a juvenile Mm -hmm. or was a child, Mm -hmm. claimed that she did it so that neither the mom or the daughter could be convicted of like a homicide. So they were debating, like, should we do that route? We'll kill him together. But Christine, you'll Mm -hmm. be the one to, to be like, it was me. We'll get off scot-free or sure. however the laws worked back then that's like their yeah. logic I don't um, know about that. and they were thinking about <laughs> they were thinking about spiking his meatloaf with like a very heavy dose of valium whoa and they purposefully did not share this plan with Merrick because oh no. of her complicated relationship with her father. Oh, my God. And Christine says this in the interview. She's like, Merrick always found a way to kind of make an excuse for their father's bad behavior. But wow. that's honestly because, like, she did have, like, a very complicated relationship. Like, yeah. I can see how she'd be like, no, like, she's so a-
0: conflicted about it. Inside view into his mind in a way. Exactly.
1: Okay, wow. so ultimately they do not act on this plan and I'm sure they didn't act on it out of like pure uncertainty and fear. Sure. Like I
0: would totally understand that. Do we know um, if Christine mm-hmm. and the mom ever worked with the law enforcement or p- the police or anything like that? No, I don't think they ever did. Okay, I think, gotcha. It is said,
1: mm-hmm. this is kind of a different thing, but it's said that The only reasons the documentaries happened is because the mom, Barbara, Mm -hmm. she was still married to Kuklinski once he was imprisoned yeah, and then ended up divorcing for like financial issues or whatever. When those documentaries aired, she was the one to approve them. And it it said that like she was the one that got paid for the documentary stuff. Right. So that's also like another reason why maybe... It was edited in a way where they didn't talk about the abuse, but, um, mm. I know that has nothing to do with them being involved with the police, but right. but no they they didn't because I think they're just so scared. like yeah. I think, yeah, and also, they didn't have actual hard evidence that their dad was doing these things like That's true. they they always maintain that until the trial, they didn't know that he was like killing people, that makes so. Sense. That's why, like, I feel like they couldn't say anything, and so anyway. And I don't know what protections you would have at that time, in the early 1980s, to report domestic violence against your own husband. True. You know. Yeah. What I mean. Yeah. So, all right. So, after this 18 months of Operation Iceman kind of being like a failure, that one lead detective, Detective Kane, he decides to actually just pay Kuklinski a visit. Whoa. Um, And he just straight up asks him, he's like, do you know what happened to Gary Smith? Wow. And he's just like, fuck it. I'm going to go in okay. and we're just going to like try to set things in motion. Yeah. So he straight up is like, do you know what happened to Car- Gary Smith? Kuklinski denies any involvement and knows they can't catch me on anything. I'm just going to deny. Yeah. So that's what they do. Kuklinski, but because of this, Kuklinski puts a plan in motion to kill Detective Kane. What? And he... Plans to kill him via a spray of cyanide. Um, so he's we like, "No, okay.
0: you're not good at this." <laughs> I so know, don't try. Do to keep
1: using cyanide? <laughs> yeah, it's not working out for you. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, so in order to get the cyanide, he finally reaches out to undercover agent provisano oh and he asked him because he, remember provisano's role is like he's a seller of weapons essentially yeah. just like low level level seller of weapons so he finally is like hey man do you have cyanide that i can Damn. buy off of you they finally meet and before there's any exchange of purchasing cyanide or mm-hmm. anything there is a relationship that's established yeah. and there's actually one other informant slash undercover police that's working in this but i forget his name but he's the one who connects them uh, connects kuklinski to provisano mm-hmm. so anyway, kuklinski and provisano meet and he is like weirdly very open about his plan what? to um not his plan sorry he's open about the murders that he's committed they do one more meetup and this is the one where Provazano's finally like wired up yeah you know gonna yep. record everything good 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 and on december 6th 1986 provisano meets with kaklinski and he goes this is how he like spins it he's mm-hmm. like oh you know that detective Kane that's been snooping around yeah well you know he he's told me about the alleged murders you know i think something's gonna happen or whatever yeah and then kaklinski tells him everything about the murders and his plan to buy cyanide to kill right. cain and all that like he just tells him everything and it's strange. all recorded it's all on tape oh, boy. um and so they've got their they've got their man you yeah. know they've, they've got it yeah okay i have two different <laughs> differing accounts in terms of dates okay. one says december 6th 1986 the other says december 17th i'll read the december 17th one. so it's kind of it's the same thing but different date so met. Prolafrone, that's the real name of the agent, to get cyanide for a planned murder. After the recorded conversation with Prolafrone, Koklinski goes for a walk. He tests the cyanide that was sold to him by Prolafrone on a stray dog. Oh my God. Um, and saw that it's not poison. Suspicious, oh, Koklinski sure. decides to not go through with the planned murder and goes home instead.
0: Okay. But
1: at this point, they already had a sting set up. They're like, okay, you're going to get the recording once it's a-okay like we'll just set up roadblocks to his house or whatever right they do arrest him at a roadblock about two hours later he's actually with his wife they were gonna go to breakfast so at some point between picking up the sorry excuse me picking up the cyanide Mm -hmm. he's also (laughs) going to get breakfast with his wife (laughs) so i don't know how that occurs but then that's when they stop his car and arrest him and that's pretty much that in terms of his final like wow downfall that and is arrest so yeah in march of 1988 uh kuklinski is found guilty of the murders of gary smith and daniel nice. deppner but he's only given 60 years in prison because Ooh, no, no, no. they kind of argued that technically deppner was the one who officially killed gary smith I see. With the lamp cord. Sure. So it's like a technicality or whatever. Okay. But after the trial, Koklinski does plead guilty and gives an admission to killing Mazgay and George huh. Maliband, which earns him two
0: more life sentences. What? Uh, Why would he uh, offer yeah, up that information? That's so bizarre.
1: Well, I'll, I'll get to that. Okay. Like, okay. So going into the psychology aspect, I think he wanted to be feared i think mm-hmm. he liked the reputation that he was building um it said that once he was incarcerated at trent state prison everyone kind of knew him as the ice man you know right. like oh this guy's a cold killer like he's got a large body count all this stuff all this stuff mm. there's an interview actually interview transcript with Prolifone or right, I just, did I just put your name? Yeah, Polifrone. Mm-hmm. And they ask him, like, you know, Koklinski claims he killed hundreds to almost 200 people. And Polifrone is like, no, I wouldn't even say he killed 20. He's like wow. more likely that he's killed 15, if anything. Gotcha. And those other folks that he murdered, but wasn't convicted for or whatever, probably just like side, cr- side men, you know yeah, what I mean? Just yeah. like people that were in his way, if, he, if they owed like money or something Um, not to be dismissive of their lives so I think that maybe he gave this admission because it's like a power move of like okay I'm going to prison anyway I want to establish my reputation you know what I mean yeah yeah so while he's incarcerated he's the subject of three HBO documentaries they're called the Iceman tapes Um, I do encourage you to watch at least a little bit of Mm -hmm. his interviews so you could see why people feel some sort of mesmerizing energy from him because he's just very like straightforward about who he is yeah but take note one of the iceman tapes is actually called the iceman and the psychiatrist which is uh, the final installment of the series and this is where he speaks with a forensic psychiatrist named dr park dietz Mm -hmm. and dr park dietz believes that Kuklinski has antisocial personality disorder Mm. and paranoid personality disorder. Interesting. These diagnoses, Mm -hmm. at least the paranoid personality disorder, are disputed by the other mental health counselor that I watched Mm -hmm. named Dr. Todd Grand. His claim is more like he feels like, according to the DSM-5, Kuklinski wouldn't fall under paranoid personality disorder, but maybe more like vulnerable narcissism. And that's where like the Mm -hmm. grandiose lying might come into place and all these things. But he does agree that he has antisocial personality disorder, which I looked up like the characteristics of that. When I type in antisocial, the first search thing that comes up is antisocial social club. Oh (laughs) my God. Yeah, of course. I was going to think that. Individuals with antisocial personality disorder often, Violate the law, um, becoming criminals, and um, they may lie, behave violently or impulsively, have problems with drug and alcohol use. So that's very generic. That's from the Mayo Clinic. Yep. Uh, Kuklinski never had drug or alcohol problems. I think he avoided that given his childhood and sure. how his dad was an alcoholic. Sense, yeah. But he definitely showed signs of being impulsive, behaving violently on an impulse. Um Being comfortable with just lying and doing criminal activity Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. More specifically, there's disregard for the right and wrong, persistent lying or deceit to exploit others, cynical and disrespectful of others, using charm or wit to manipulate others for personal gain or personal pleasure. Arrogance. There's a sense of superiority and being extremely opinionated. It goes on. But some of those, I feel like, based on what I saw in the interviews, that already hits because... In one of the stories he tells about how he's killed a person,
0: mm-hmm.
1: this again, this is a this is a alleged story from Kuklinski himself. But he was like, oh yeah, one guy I had to take care of for the mafia. They wanted me to not only murder him, but also show how uh, not cruel, but like make the man suffer. Yeah. So his story is like, oh, I drove this guy all the way out to some like cave in Pennsylvania where I knew there were a bunch of rats and oh I God. put him there and I put a video camera in front of him so that, uh, you know, the videotape could show the rats in the cave eating this man. Oh my And God. when I came back the next, he was like, I came back in like four days and it was just bones and ligaments. Jeez. And I took the videotape and I sent it to the mafia and they're like, okay, you like, you're, you're someone who's crazy sort of thing. Right, you're the and that's a deal. story that he tells, but yeah. it's, ex- it's very, You know it is grandiose but he Mm -hmm. tells it in such a calm trusting way and of course this is this can be this is slash was disputed because someone is like dude like rats in caves are (laughs) reclusive (laughs) and they probably have a decent food source like they're not gonna just approach someone sitting there for days unless that person's already dead you know what I mean like that's true yeah so it's just like he would tell these things that were very much uncorroborated yep so, anyway, okay. so, so that's an analysis of his psyche and who he is. Oh God, there's so much information. <laughs> and okay, last bit on his life. So, in October of 2005, uh, so he's 69, Koklinski is. Or maybe 70. He's 69 or 70. Mm -hmm. Kuklinski is diagnosed with Kawasaki disease. He ends up passing away at the age of 70 on March 5th of 2006. So the next year, but within like several months time span. Uh And he passes away from heart disease and phlebitis. Uh, Prior to his death, though, Kuklinski actually requested that if he were to die from cardiac arrest, like please resuscitate him. So that was his request. The thing is... His wife, Barbara, mm-hmm. who's, you know, next of kin, she's the one that's given that authority to decide whether to resuscitate uh, or not. Interesting. <laughs> and she actually gives the order of do not resuscitate. Of course. If he's to pass away in the next several months, do not resuscitate. Wow. And a week before he passes, doctors call her and they're like, are you sure you don't want to reverse this order? Mm-hmm. And she's like, nope. Fuck And that's no. it. And then he dies and... And they move on with their life. Wow. So that's the story of Richard Kuklinski. That is not AKA the Iceman. Wow. I wanted to real quick give a quick talks on cyanide. I feel like we've talked about it before, but just a quick review. Maybe not so in depth, but here we go. If you're exposed to a small amount of cyanide, okay, breathing it is always going to be worse than ingesting it, but given the context of the story of people ingesting it, um, you would experience dizziness, a headache, nausea and vomiting, rapid breathing, rapid heart rate, restlessness and weakness. And when I first read that list, I laughed at myself because I was like, God, I feel that every day, (laughs) except for for the rapid breathing and rapid heart rate. If you're exposed to a larger amount of cyanide, you could have convulsions, loss Mm -hmm. of consciousness, low blood pressure, lung injury, respiratory failure and slow heart rate a severe exposure but if you survive it you could have severe heart brain or nerve damage mm-hmm. for the rest of your life the toxicity of cyanide is linked mainly to the cessation of aerobic cell metabolism mm-hmm. so cyanide is an anion inhibitor in your mitochondria mm-hmm. and it stops the electron transport chain of oxygen going to water i am summarizing that terribly but basically it inhibits your mitochondria from getting oxygen i think Mm -hmm. uh someone fact check me on that um i mean i could read it straight from the passage cyanide's main (laughs) effect (laughs) is that it inhibits oxidative phosphorylation a process where oxygen is utilized for the production of essential cellular energy sources in the form of atp Mm -hmm. so Basically, it's fucking with your cells On and that's bad. Yep. <laughs> but as a result of that, it's because it impacts oxygen. It specifically does impact your breathing and your heart, blood pressure. This was just something that came to my brain. I just watched Skyfall, the James Bond movie, <laughs> like last week. Uh-huh. And in Skyfall, if any of you recall, Javier Bardem's character... When he's captured by MI6, he shows that the damage that a cyanide capsule had done to his mouth or Mm -hmm. whatever his insides. And he pulls his freak teeth out and you see this like deformed face occur on Javier Bardem. Yeah. And I remember watching that and not thinking anything. and I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like a cyanide (laughs) capsule being popped in your teeth would probably fuck you up. Like, yeah, yeah, your teeth would disintegrate and your insides would burn after doing this episode and doing the research on cyanide. That is not factual
0: <laughs> right at all
1: cyanide would not melt your teeth or your insides or anything it could cause gastrointestinal discomfort mm-hmm. but if anything it will impact your breathing yep. first yeah and your blood yeah uh, pressure it wouldn't and heart so melt your bones so away <laughs> yeah the there you go disproving <laughs> hollywood or there do better sam mendez seriously anyway, i think i'll just end it there that was like a very lengthy oh and oh, uh, the antidote for cyanide poisoning is hydroxycobalamin. I butchered mm-hmm. that, but it's also known as B12. Yep. B12 is the antidote of choice for acute cyanide poisoning. You give five grams intravenously over 15 minutes. And how does it work? B12 converts cyanide to a much less toxic form called cyan- cyanocobalamin, <laughs> which can be renally cleared. So you can pee that out. Yep. Or like your kidneys can process it. Totally. That is the episode. A very
0: simple antidote <laughs> for a very complex poison. I know. Clearly. I have my B12 episode. sitting in my, sitting in my cabinet right now. Hey, that might be like a good survival kit thing to bring with you is just some vitamin B12 just in case you get yeah. some cyanide poison. Yeah. Just carrying it on you at all times
1: yeah. in case mm-hmm. you think you'll be poisoned via cyanide.
0: Yeah. Very slowly via burger.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Oh boy! Oh. But if you're if you're strangled by a lamp cord or shot in the head, it's that B12 won't do anything for you. <laughs> You'll have really great minerals and vitamins in your body when you die. Right, oh right. So bad. Wow, uh, this. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed this story. Not actually, oh, I'm I glad. enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm glad. Full stop. I appreciate that. It was yeah. such a twisty turny, and he's such a he has such like an interesting life. I don't know. Like, interesting yeah, is not maybe the right word, but it's just, like, uh, he's an interesting dude. Like, the way that yeah, he went about like, his life and the choices he made didn't always make yeah. sense, but it made for a good story.
1: <laughs> right, right. Like, my, my lasting impression of him is that, like, I definitely think he's someone who just acted on his own anger emotions like just someone who could act and not feel anything for sure but I think as the narcissist side of him I'm like dude I don't think you really had
0: it that put together like no you're
1: not that great
0: no and I totally I know what you mean when you say like technically by definition yes he is a serial mm -hmm. killer I think the definition right now is like you kill three or more people which he did
1: but Mm -hmm. Also,
0: like, in reference to Manhunter, when they are categorizing, like, what makes up a serial killer, usually a serial Mm -hmm. killer is someone who plans out their murders, right? Like, who's very methodical and has, like, a certain MO. Like, they kind of do the same thing every single time. And he was not that way. I guess he tried to plan things out, but then something was always just, like, on the cuff or spur of the moment where Mm. he would just do something and very impulsively act on his emotions as you said so it was just kind of like up in the air what like you meet him on a bad day like you're fucked (laughs) right exactly that's exactly how i felt like
1: it's just just like if you you rubbed him wrong on one day like good luck right but um in terms of how murders go, like I, what you said, I equate it to that meme of like that horse drawing, where one half of the horse is like really well done, and then at the tail end, it's just like a stick figure horse. <laughs> That's how I feel like his murders went.
0: Right, totally. Oh my god, we have to put that in the pictures for the show notes. <laughs> That's so perfect representation yeah. of Richard Kuklinski's murders. That's fucked up. Oh man.
1: Anyway, <laughs> this whole story well, thanks was for thanks up. for yeah.
0: I know. Um, so, yeah, let's do antidotes. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for the, that mm-hmm. good story, Megan. Okay. Yeah. So, antidotes, I guess it's I signed a place that <gasps> uh, finally we're I done. Should. We're done with. Whoa. The, the freaking saga that has been house hunting during a pandemic and during inflation. <laughs> oh
1: my god! Oh my goodness! It is
0: nuts, so nuts, so. But um, I'm glad we finally made it happen. It was so funny. I was telling Megan on, uh, Megan had just moved, or Megan has moved into her new place. But the day I mm-hmm. came over to see her new place, I basically got a call from like the housing people telling me that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my application will probably get denied and I should probably start looking for a different place. And I was okay. so mm-hmm. upset. I was like, are you serious? Well, blah, blah, blah. it was just like, a, we just had taken so much time and effort to put an application towards this place. And then right. three days later, it somehow got approved and we're like, well, that's great. <laughs> well, now we're yeah. done. So happy, yeah. happy it's over. We'll be moving to the Bay, but I'm sad. I'm moving away from Megan. Um, so, hopefully it's just a year and then we can come back down (laughs) but I'm excited anyways uh to finally get a place of my own like it's a long time yeah
1: yes I'm so happy for you I'm so happy that all worked out because I know how Strenuous and just like pulling teeth. Going back to the beginning of our episode, yeah. Um, that (laughs) process was, and so I'm glad it's finally settled. You don't have to freaking worry about the paperwork. (sighs) I know you do have to worry about moving all your shit now, but that's like a different problem. That's a different problem.
0: And luckily, like yeah, right now we don't have any furniture, so we just have to move up our clothes, and then we have to get furniture. So it's kind of like not that. At not as strenuous, but yeah, still, right. still a move, nonetheless. Right. And you can finally tap into
1: that grand resource that is your um, wedding registry. That is right, because
0: all that stuff's waiting for I you, know. baby girl. We have all those goodies <laughs> ready to be shipped over. So we were literally yeah. waiting t- t- till we have our own place to like get all our yeah in, like stuff from there. But anyways, yeah, that's my antidote. Awesome. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm so glad.
1: All right, my antidote
0: is short and sweet
1: I did my laundry today and I am only saying that as my antidote because I am adjusting to going back to a coin operated (laughs) laundry and it's a hard adjustment um but you know what like I've done this before Mm -hmm. I sound extremely privileged right now (laughs) I realize having an in-unit washer dryer is a huge privilege but alas Mm -hmm. uh my antidote is just that I didn't have quarters for like a (laughs) week so
0: I'm like ah finally got my quarters nice did my laundry. Feels good, man. That's Feels awesome. Good. Congrats. That's a, yeah. that's a big feat. And you know how, like, Megan and I, we already discussed this. She knows exactly how I feel about coin operate laundry. It's a crime. <laughs> it's just an injustice to <laughs> Americans everywhere. I'm sure this yeah. in other parts of the country or outside of the u.s but it's just an injustice to human human yeah what did i say last
1: week i was like abolish coin-operated laundry machines
0: they must (laughs) like who who in the world like what i think it's the greediest like most american thing to have coin-operated laundry but anyways yeah i digress But congratulations! I no, I love your two cents. <laughs> Thank no, you. it's not two cents. Thank it's you. your twenty-five cents. <laughs> I know. Oh God! Like Keep you two dollars
1: full, dude. God, uh, okay.
0: Real quick, the now that we're on the top of coin-op laundry, um, <laughs> okay. me and Megan have were discussing this a long time when we were both trying to find a place. And the first place that Dave and I looked at in the city, it was six dollars a load, in <sighs> hoarders six dollars what that is insane and this is the place we almost Horrible. signed like because Dave was like he mm. really loved it and I right. liked it but I was like literally it was the six dollar load that was the deal breaker for me I was like yeah, I, I don't just, I feel dirty I would literally feel dirty yeah. washing my clothes in that in that building yeah six dollars i feel you
1: now now i've spent six dollars on laundry before but it was like multiple loads maybe I like two loads in a day you know what i'm saying but it's too much Uh, it's ridiculous all right anyways well
0: let's let's tap out on that (laughs) sad note of coin op laundries (laughs) all right sounds great megan are you gonna take us out oh yeah (laughs) don't risk it
1: for that cyanide hamburger. <laughs> oh yes,
0: that's not even
1: biscuit. <laughs> Don't worry for the cyanide. Not even hamburger. biscuit. Just, I love it. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Once right. More. We'll catch you later. Bye. Bye.